0: Business owners hate financials. Yeah, so let (laughs) let, let me kind of set that one up. Welcome
1: to Karmali Exchange. I'm Faisal Karmali. I'm here with Marcel Tunison. He is the Chief Financial Officer of Parkland Corporation. And why do we have him here? Well, you start from the bottom and you work your way to the top. He's going to tell you how to do it here on the Karmali Exchange. Now, before we get started about him and all of his knowledge, let's talk about Parkland. Let's talk about the business in 30 seconds or less. Tell me, what's Parkland?
0: Hi there, Faisal, and thank you for actually uh, having me here today. So Parkland is a real Canadian and Albertan success story. So started many years ago as a cattle feed company, actually, then quite one service station. And in the meantime, we have grown to more than 3,800 service stations in 25 different countries. Wow. And we have about 6,000 of our employees serving a million customers a day. And we provide essential fuels to people to get from A to B. We provide convenience goods to kind of fuel them on their journeys as well. And so it's a real great success story.
1: Yeah. What a humble beginning to start from a small town in a small section of the world called Alberta, yeah. and then to grow over five decades the way you have. A lot of business owners I speak to and I say, what's your biggest challenge in your business? And, or what's the one thing you you wish you knew more about when it comes to your business? And I would say nine out of ten times it's their financials. It's their, understand their income statement, understand their balance sheet, understanding how the margins work and so forth. CFO, I do, I, I also run money as well. I look at this and I go, this is easy for me. Like This is normal. This is my backyard so I understand it. But so many business owners have a very hard time understanding financials. Let's start with why do you think that is? And what tips can you give to them so they can actually be more comfortable with their financials?
0: Well, the re- I don't know why that is, but that's an interesting <laughs> question. But, uh, you know, I can imagine, you know, having read many financial reports that, you know, frankly, it's pretty boring, right? Looking at financials, right? It's yeah. like, what do you see in there? And it takes you quite a bit of time to kind of understand what's going on in financials. So yeah. I can kind of understand why people see that it's much more exciting to talk to customers, to talk to employees, to talk to suppliers, and maybe do acquisitions. That's a lot more exciting and I I definitely get that. But the way that I would describe really what you see in the financials is really the shadow of your business. What's really going on there? And that's where it actually comes together Uh, you know on a page Uh, and it's in your financials that you often start seeing the risks of your business and maybe even the opportunities right because as you analyze that you know you can see where you where the growth opportunities are but also where things don't go well it's critical that you control your cost because ultimately in many of the markets you compete and if your costs are out of hand then you can't compete effectively and then when you want to do acquisitions you need capacity you need financial capacity yeah and so looking at your financials uh, will tell you whether you have the capacity to do it. Because the worst thing you can do is buy something that you can't afford or chase something that you can't afford. And then we probably come to, uh, to, to banks to kind of fund it or to, to shareholders to fund it. But that will potentially take a lot of value away. So knowing what you can afford, you will see that in your financial statements. Yeah. So yes, it is boring, but it's a critical part of running it's a business. critical.
1: You need to know it. And here's some ideas on how to do it. So that's fantastic. For all our business owners out there, Marcel, when you look at the opportunities of acquiring a company and you look at how it will add intrinsic value to the business, What are some of the things that you look at to make sure that you're not only giving what we call shareholder value but it makes good financial sense at the end of the day
0: now so if you look at parkland's business model we really have three components to that business model the first one is that we grow organically that is at the heart of our business we grow our business we acquire new customers we improve customer service that's where it starts the second part is really that we acquire and we do so prudently and then make sure that we integrate well and deliver synergies and then the last bit, which is unique to Parkland, is we leverage our supply synergies. And that's really the fuel supply chain, which kind of sits behind all the fuel that comes to stations or goes to customers.
1: So many small, medium-sized businesses today will be looking at the economy and saying, here's an opportunity for me to acquire. So what would you give us as, as a bit of an idea of how the, strategi- the strategy should work for these small, medium-sized businesses?
0: I think the first question is really, what is the strategy and how f- how do acquisitions fit within that strategy? Because you can grow or organically or you can acquire a business and it's quite important that you understand when you use what tool to grow and then when you decide on an acquisition it of course needs to v- fit well And the value needs to kind of work well. And then as you start in the acquisition program, it's really important to focus on the integration. Make sure that it works on day one, but also that you deliver the value and the synergies that come with that business. And I think for many business owners, it's important to have somebody with you that is kind of opposed to the idea. So when you get more and more excited about the acquisition, have somebody that tells you all the reasons that it wouldn't work, because I think that keeps you honest and that keeps you very focused on, you know, kind of the business and the Business rationale.
1: Is that someone in-house in your team or are you looking at consultants or advisors outside saying, here, let's let's take a look at this and tell you the reasons why it wouldn't work?
0: You know, in Parkland, we are big enough to have that within the team. Um, You know, as a leader of a business, you need to create that space, right? Because the moment the leader of the business is too enthusiastic, nobody will oppose, right? So that's important. But if you're a smaller business, that could be somebody from the outside as well. You know, that could be a director on the board. uh, That could be a consultant or an advisor that you use within the team. But even within your own team, listen to the voices that have a different perspective. It's quite easy to get overexcited about an acquisition and the opportunity. uh, and that's where we have good debates within our leadership team and, and the people that we have to make sure is this really one that kind of meets the criteria we need to be successful.
1: You've come on board since uh, December of 2020. You look back at the history. What, what would you say is Parkland's mistakes or lookbacks or hurdles that you've seen?
0: Yeah, so one of the things that we do as part of our process is to look back at the acquisitions that we have done and to make sure that what we thought before we bought it, whether that's truly taking place. And then sometimes you need to say, hey, here we were lucky, you know, and in other cases you said, well, we were probably right fundamentally, but it didn't work out like that. And so the look back process on acquisitions is pretty critical to keep yourself honest. So that's one. I think the second is really don't overpay for acquisitions. And in a couple of cases, we probably paid more than we would, but we wanted it. It's just a little bit more and you want to get going. So make sure that you don't overpay. Stay on strategy. Don't acquire something that's not on strategy because you don't have the ability to generate synergies, and your shareholders frankly don't understand why you're actually doing it, and they feel that that's not good for it. And then finally integration. If you look at the history of acquisitions and most of them fail, they fail because people don't do the integration really well. And I do think at Parkland we have a good template of the integration. We know where the synergies come from, we track them well, uh, and we can actually prove that we deliver those. Also, uh, as a CFO, and many people will recognize that you do need to have a platform to integrate transactions. So think of systems that kind of make sure that when you buy something, you can integrate it, you can control it, you can measure it, because otherwise, you buy things, you know, you're simply adding cost as well. And so to continue to invest in your system capability, your people capability to make those acquisitions successful is really critical. You know, and we have learned along the way, you know, to do that better. Do
1: you think it's more art than science or is this whole part of acquiring and looking back a methodology or process that you go through?
0: Yeah, no, I think it's actually, uh, it's probably more science. There's a lot of rigor involved in it and a lot of kind of rational thinking through that. And that's why sometimes when emotions get involved, you get too involved in the acquisition, you like the counterpart, you like the brand too much, and that's when you kind of start shifting a little bit and willing to give a bit more on the principles of doing that. What are one or
1: two, maybe even three metrics that you're looking for that can hit the bottom line to give the value or make it worthwhile buying that company?
0: So the first thing that we look at is how well is this business run? And if I look back over the last year and a half, it's kind of interesting because many of the businesses we bought have been going through COVID. So the real question is, what does this business do when it's not in a COVID period? And so what is the normalization that you do? And it's kind of interesting. Many of our fuel businesses were kind of, you know, depressed volume. We saw some margins going higher, but we tried to kind of, what would normal look like? Whereas an acquisition of M&M Foods that we did late last year mm-hmm. into the early part of this year, it's actually the other way around. There was a lot more people buying kind of from M&M during COVID, <laughs> yeah, including <Me>. yourself, <laughs> thank you. Um, but we normalize for your behavior <laughs> in, in normal times because that will come down. So what is actually the underlying business? That's the first part. Then the second part I really look at is what's the synergy delivery and what is ultimately the value over time? And, and in a negotiation How much of that synergy do you want to give away to the seller of a business versus how much do we want to keep ourselves? And then ultimately, it is around how the returns work, what's the value that you generate, and how much time do you need to wait before that value comes back? So I personally like the ones with high value, a short payback time because I can kind of think of the next three years. But if we do an acquisition that takes kind of eight years to get out, there's a lot more uncertainty involved.
1: Would you say in the economy that we're in today and where we might be heading? that acquiring a business that may have an eight-year payback, too far out to look out in in this kind of economy? Would you prefer that you can see a three-year, of course, but eight years, just take it off the table, don't even look at it?
0: No, not always, because as I said, if the alternative is we build a similar business ourselves and it takes more time, right, then, you know, that's what I compare it to.
1: When you look at the stigma on... The financial world, meaning the, the CFOs, the analysts, the, the financial hats that business owners have to wear, sometimes they forget about the people that are part of that entire process in the business. When you look at your metrics, when you look at the, what a, a CFO does, the staff, the people that you have in this company are, are part of the reason why, if not the reason why it's moving forward. So how do you take into account, from a financial perspective, the value add that every employee brings?
0: In many of the acquisitions, we buy capabilities that come with the business we bought. So if we are going into a new market, you know the relationships that the teams have built up within that market are critical for the acquisitions that we do, and we want to preserve that because our business is a very local business, right? Mm-hmm. They are customers; they have been customers of that business for decades, right? So you don't want to change it out, and suddenly they have to call a one number in Calgary. (laughs) to do business. And frankly, people that work for us live in the community and are often related to people that run businesses. So that's pretty critical when we do that. When we then buy a business which is less related to what we have done before, and I use M&M Foods as an example, we acquire completely new capability around food preparation, which is around food safety. It's around distribution, supply chain. It's around interacting with a whole different group of customers really successfully every day. We want to preserve that. And so when we look at people... You know, and we kind of say, well, some of the benefits or some of the synergies is really around taking cost out. We're very careful about which part of the business we do because we don't want to undermine the capabilities of the business we bought. In many cases, we have kind of supported them with more investment, with more products, with more capabilities to do their jobs even better than they did before we bought the business.
1: For all our business owners out there, Marcel, three tips that you can give them to help them grow their business as we move forward with this economy and with the way that we look at the world today.
0: Yeah Yeah. so firstly be very clear on your strategy, I would say. What do you fundamentally believe is going to provide you the opportunity, both from an external perspective and how does that match with your capability? I think that's essential, be absolutely clear on on that piece. The second piece then is to be very disciplined around that strategy. There's lots of other interesting things around it. The question I always ask is, do your shareholders want you to make that investment or can they get that investment through another company? Mm -hmm. So do they trust you with that money or do they rather give that money to somebody else? And I think that's an essential part to stay disciplined on that. And then when you do things, do it with conviction and deliver the value that you promised to your shareholders. Because once you do that, your shareholders will reward you with some patience before they want to see their returns. And that I think is what makes businesses go around.
1: Thank you so much. Really appreciate Absolutely. that. Absolutely, pleasure. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button for more from the Carmali Exchange. And you can also follow me on social media at Faisal Carmali, where we can continue the business conversation.